0: Stand up on our feet for one more moment. I want us to go old school and stand up, and we're going to read a scripture together. If you have your Bible on you, as you stand up, you can open it up, or your iPhone or your iPad. You can open it up to Isaiah chapter 9. We can go to Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. Let me tell you a little bit about the the book we're getting ready to read from, the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah is broken up into 66 different chapters, and Isaiah mimics the Bible as a whole. It's almost like a mini picture of the Bible. There are 66 books in the Bible. And Isaiah was one of the most powerful Old Testament prophets. As a matter of fact, Isaiah prophesied the coming of Jesus down to a T, and he gives us some names or some things that Jesus will be called in Isaiah chapter 9. It's amazing if you look later in Isaiah 53, he tells us exactly how Christ will die, things that will happen down to crazy detail some seven centuries before the coming of Christ. So if you have your Bible open, I want you to look at Isaiah chapter 9, and I want you to read this powerful prophecy about the coming of Christ, penned 700 years before he shows up. It reads like this. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Come on, let's pray. Father, I thank you today that unto us A child is born. I thank you today that unto us a son is given. Lord, we pray right now as a church that the government will be put upon his shoulders. We say, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And I thank you that... He is a wonderful counselor. I thank you that he is a mighty God. I thank you that he is an everlasting father. And I thank you that he is a prince of peace. Come show yourself to my brothers and my sisters in a mighty, mighty way today. Make yourself alive. I know you are in their mind, in their hearts, and in their thoughts. In Jesus' mighty name. And the church said amen. Come on, let's give him one more hand clap in the house. You can be seated today in the house of God. Isaiah prophesies and he says a couple of things here. He says, unto us, the first thing he says is a child will be born. It's interesting to think about how the Ancient of Days... The most powerful entity in the universe. It's interesting to think about how God himself chose to enter into the world. He didn't come into the world on a starship. He didn't ride in on Pegasus and he didn't come in a comet. No, Jesus decided to be born through the womb of a woman. To be born through the womb of a woman in a small backwaters, backwood town by the name of Bethlehem. And the Bible says this. The Bible says that a son or a child was born and a son was given. Come on, everybody say a child is born. A child was born through the womb of Mary. Whenever you see a child, typically when you're looking at that child, you don't think about how powerful a child is. You kind of think about how a child needs help to survive. Think about how a child can't exist on its own. How someone must nurture and love and help a child. But This isn't just any child. This is how God had chosen to enter into the world. It's funny that, that he comes this way and he comes in a place that people wouldn't recognize, people wouldn't see as a powerful place. He wasn't born in Rome in an emperor's house. He was built, He was born in the middle of nowhere. And this child is born. See, Jesus had to step through the womb of a woman to come into the world, the Bible says, to redeem all of us that were born through the womb of a woman because we had sinned and he had come to save us. He says a child is born in the next Part of the scripture, he says a son is given. I want you to see that the son that was given was not just a natural son. We're talking about the very son of God was given to us as a gift on the first Christmas 2,000 years ago. Is anybody out there thankful that our God doesn't give any second-rate gifts? Our God doesn't give last year's styles. Come on, somebody. Our God doesn't give stuff off the bargain rack. Our God gives the best. A child is born and a son is given. Man, the very Son of God came to redeem us. You got to stop and think about that. If you're not careful as a Christian, what's the most holy message on the earth? That the Son of God has come to us. It becomes old news. We don't think about it the way we should. It becomes common in our thinking. But see, it's not common. It's holy. The Son of God came. His child came. Now, some might think that a father who would send his son to die for the world, would be a cruel father. And I've even heard people talk about this, how terrible it is. But Jesus himself, the son, said this, no man takes my life from me, I lay it down. See, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, all were pleased to send his son to come and redeem us. Come on, if you've been saved, if you've been healed, if you've been forgiven, you ought to give God a hand clap right now that that he came and he sent the greatest gift in the world to redeem us, amen? I mean, I'll tell you, I'm thankful that a child has been born and a son has been given. Isaiah goes on and he prophesies, he says, that there's a day coming that the government will be put upon his shoulders. How many of y'all think Jesus would do better than the Democrats or the Republicans or the Independents or the Green Party? I'm ready to put the government upon the shoulders of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Telling you, he came once as a baby and as a lamb born through the womb of a woman. He will return at the end of time as a lion that will execute judgment upon the nations. He will set his throne in Jerusalem, and he will rule with righteous uh, uh, honor and law and truth. Can I get an amen? See, he's going to come. He'll establish his government. But until then, there are four powerful names that are spoken about our Jesus. About not just my Jesus, but your Jesus. Jesus. That I think we can look at and we can learn truths from, how to walk and how to live every day. Now Isaiah made this announcement that when he comes, he'll be called Wonderful Counselor. Come on, we ought to say that out loud together. Somebody say Wonderful Counselor. Isn't it nice to know that we have not just a counselor, but a wonderful counselor? What is a counselor? A counselor is somebody that hears what you're going through in an area of your life and then gives you counsel, gives you advice. Tells you how to play your situation. Now, let me ask you a question: How many of you have ever gotten some really bad advice? Can I can I see out there where you've gotten some terrible counsel? How many of you have ever gotten any bad advice from some really good people? Right. Come on, right? Just because they're good people doesn't mean their counsel is good in that area. Can I get an amen out there? I think about some of the worst advice I've gotten have come that's come from some really wonderful people. Why was it like that? Well, they were typically outside of their area of expertise. See, counsel isn't just any kind of information from anybody. It's in an area of expertise. If you've got a legal problem, You don't need advice from just your brother unless your brother is an attorney. Can I get an amen, right? If we got an architectural problem, we need an architect. You got a financial problem, you need somebody with financial sense. You don't need to take swimming lessons from a drowning person. I watch people do it all the time. They'll say things like, no, I need somebody that's going through what I'm going through so they can understand me, they feel me. I need somebody that's went through what I'm going through and right where I am. Often people whose lives are falling apart say that. But listen, we don't necessarily need somebody who's going through what we're going through right now. How many know all of us of sinners and the only person that could save us was someone who had never sinned? His name is Jesus. A lot of times, counseling can be confused with commiseration. We got a God that won't commiserate with us, but He'll counsel with us. And I'm telling you, His counsel is always wonderful, it's always right on point, it's always right what we need, it's always truth, it's always yes and amen, it'll always come to pass. He won't give you any bad advice, for he is good and his mercy endureth forever. Come on, let's give God a hand clap for his wisdom and his counsel and his help. He's a counselor. He is a, a, a listening ear. You know, I've heard it said if you want to be interesting, you have to first be interested Listening to people makes you interesting in their life. And Jesus comes and He's a great listener. He's there for you. If you have a problem, He wants to hear about it. If you have dreams, He wants to hear about it. He wants to talk to you in the night and in the day. He's interested in what you're interested in, and He'll listen. I was sitting at a pastor's conference uh, several months ago, and I was in Korea. I was there at the world's largest church. It's almost one million members in Seoul, Korea. How many of y'all would like to see some churches built like that in America? I'd like to see some churches built like that in America. Now, three of you would like for that to happen, and and I'll tell you what, there ought to be more of us. Let me say, I'd like to see some churches built like that in America. I, I believe God wants to do that. It's the will of God. A lot of people are like, in America, if the church gets over 1,000, it's trouble. Listen, we wouldn't even be a Sunday school class in Seoul, Korea yet, right? We'd be just trying to get off the ground. But I'm standing there in the restroom in, in this pastor's conference, and there was a guy, he's a sweet guy, he might not have been completely, um, might have had some challenges, let me say it like that, and he was talking about all these dreams and visions, and I believe that God is a God that will give you dreams and visions, But I don't believe he's a God that does it every single day of your life. Can I get an amen, right? And so this guy keeps talking about all this. And there's this sweet pastor standing there by him from the church. He's just listening to this man. He's nodding his head. He's, he's, He's shaking his head. He's listening. He's smiling. The guy keeps going on and on and on. The guy's smiling and listening. And then the guy asks, what do you think my dream and my vision means? And the pastor gives this answer. He says, the Lord knows. He said, let's pray about that, brother. And I thought, what a great answer. Come on, just turn to your neighbor and tell them the Lord knows. When you don't know know what to say, just say the Lord knows. What a safe answer, right? Now, I walked by the guy and I said, hey, you gave that guy a good answer. And he said this to me. He said, some people just need a listening ear. Tell you about the wonderful counselor. His ear is always open to listen to you. No matter where you are, no matter what your problem is, no matter what time of the day is, right? No matter if you're surrounded by issues, his name is wonderful, and he will counsel you. You have the wisdom of God to deal with any situation you're going to be put in. You're going to be sitting at a table with relatives coming up in just about 10 days, and a knife fight could break out between you and some siblings. God will give you the wisdom how to get through it. Come on, give God a hand clap so we have a wonderful counselor. (laughs) Amen. Number two, what he says, he says this. He says he's not just a wonderful counselor. The second name he says is he says he is a mighty God. Come on, somebody say a mighty God. Our God is not a weak God. Our God is not a powerless God. Our God is not an impotent God. Our God is not a finished God. Our God is not a dead God. Our God is not a mute God. Our God is not a quiet God. Our God is not a blind God. Our God is not a God in a grave. Our God is a mighty God. What a mighty God we serve. Come on, angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adores him. Oh, what a mighty God we serve. It's Christmas We ought to remember that our God is powerful. Our God has overcome death, hell, and the grave. Our God has overcome sickness and sin and malady and lies and viciousness and hell and the devil. Don't ever think that your God doesn't have the power to deliver you, save you, heal you, fix you, put your life back together. We serve a mighty God. Can I get an amen out there? It's part of the Christmas story. Our God stepped through into a broken, sin-filled world, and he redeemed it. And he was mighty 2,000 years ago. He was mighty at his coming. He'll be mighty at his second coming. He's mighty in 2019, and he's going to be mighty in our church in 2020. I'm going to tell you 2020 will be a year of revival. It'll be a year of power. It'll be a year of God stepping through the scene and pulling back the veil at his church. We serve a mighty God. Third thing Isaiah said... About our God. He said that our God would be an everlasting Father. Come on, somebody say, Everlasting Father. Let's thank Him for that. Let's say this say, Father, I thank you that you are an everlasting Father. See, the fathers in this room will live a period of time, and our voice will be here on the earth for a period of time. Men have 80, 90, I'm gonna live 177 years, and I'm gonna die at the end of a prayer line. That's when I'm going out, right? But men have a period of time they'll live in the earth. It's appointed every man wants to die. Now that you have a certain time you're appointed to die, but there is an appointment with death. We can speed it up or we can slow it down. How many of you have friends that have sped up their death? Right? How many of all know people that have slowed down their death by changing their lifestyle? But it's appointed for every man. Once they will die, then will come a judgment. So we are temporal fathers, We father people for a period of time, and I'm thankful for all the men of God in the room. Come on, we need fathers, and we need strong male voices in America. I'm thankful for strong women. I believe in women. I hope my daughters are the president of the United States of America because I want to ride on Air Force One. Can I get an amen? But tell you what, we still need strong men in America. We need fathers. God's calling men. Listen, it's no sin to be a father. It's no sin to be manly. It's no sin to be masculine. Come on, God has called us to that. And he says this about himself. He is the everlasting father. When there's a father in the house, a good father, a strong person, he takes care of and protects weak people. It's the nature of a father. Without a strong male around, weak people suffer. Talking about using it the right way. A guy can't let his strengths become wolf-like. He has to be more like a sheepdog that protects, watches, and cares. Now I want you to know that we have a God who is a strong father. And he's not temporal, he's not limited, he is everlasting. He doesn't go away. You might have put your father in the earth before. Your father might have went on to heaven. I have good news for you. This Christmas, Isaiah prophesied about the coming of our God, that he would be an everlasting father. And when temporal fathers leave or fail, our everlasting father will stay and remain. It's powerful. You know, it's funny, you you look at the baptism of Jesus Jesus meets John in the wilderness, meets John in the wilderness and, and baptizes him. A voice comes from heaven, the voice of the Father. Before Jesus has ever performed a miracle, before a blind eye had ever opened, before a deaf ear had ever heard, before the miracle of multiplication or the water was turned into wine, before the Beatitudes, before the Lord's Prayer was taught, before Jesus ever did anything, listen to what an everlasting Father said of his son, points down from heaven. He says these words. He says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He didn't say it after Jesus had performed all those things. Come on, our father said it before Jesus had done anything. So many people are trying to earn the approval or the pleasure of an everlasting father. But I'm telling you, before you've ever performed, even if you've missed the mark, I'm telling you, God looks down and he sees you not through your own life. He sees you through the lens of his son and he says, this is my son, this is my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. When you get that revelation, you receive grace to live a life that is productive. It's the way it works. Come on, you have an everlasting father. The last thing Isaiah says, and I'll close with this, says his name will be Prince of Peace. Somebody say Prince of Peace. Man, I'm praying supernatural peace into all of our lives this holiday season. What does that word mean, peace, through the Bible sense? Does it just mean the absence of war? The absence of turmoil? No, it means more than that. I believe you can have peace even in the midst of a war. You can have peace even in the midst of turmoil. The Bible says you can have peace that surpasses all understanding. It'll guard your heart and it'll guard your mind. Well, what's this peace? If you go to Israel and you see the Jews greet one another, they use that word from the Bible that stands for peace. They'll look at one another and they'll say, Shalom. Come on, just turn to your neighbor, and tell them Shalom today. You'll learn. Come on, let's learn a Jewish greeting today, right? You probably saw it. It was on a Bud Light commercial years ago. It went big around America, right? The what's up, shalom, all those things. Shalom. What does it mean when you say shalom to someone? It says, means nothing missing, nothing broken, totally whole. He's the prince of nothing being missing in your life, nothing being broken in your life, and you being totally whole and complete. You know what Jesus came to do? He came to fix the cracks in our life, to to fill in the voids in our life. Nothing missing, he comes to fill in the void in your life. Nothing broken, he comes to put back together the things that have fallen apart, cracked from a fallen world. Totally whole, he comes to bring restoration in broken areas. He is the prince of peace. Man, the power of peace, you don't know how powerful it is until you have to live without peace for a period of time. Then peace is greater than money, it's greater than fame, it's greater than anything else. God, I pray and I thank you that you grant us peace. You know, there's a story from history that's a true story. The world had many problems, the turn, the 1900s. Wealthy, powerful men decided they were going to build a place in the the Hague, is where it was built. It was called the Peace Palace. Andrew Carnegie himself financed it. Gave $1.5 million back in those days to build the Peace Palace. It would be about $40 million today, U.S. dollars. They built this think tank, this house, beautiful home, mansion-type place, where all of the greatest thinkers, all of the greatest politicians, all of the greatest poets, all of the greatest minds in the world would come together. They would find a way to set at a table and through man's means talk up peace. They would go and they would try. Carnegie financed the whole thing. You know there was a statue that standed, stood, excuse me, in the in the foyer of the Peace Palace. When you walked into the Peace Palace, the first thing you would see was a statue of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Prince of Peace. It's pretty awesome. When the world would show up, they would see Jesus first and foremost as they opened the door. But as time went on, some of the people in the Peace Palace began to think that maybe a statue of Jesus might offend people when they show up, first and foremost, in the foyer. So they took Jesus, the Prince of Peace, and his statue, and they moved him to a back room of the Peace Palace, and they brought a statue of Zeus, and they put him in his place. The next day, World War I broke out. I'm telling you, You can try to get peace some way in life without the person of peace, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, and it will only lead to war. Man can never make peace come on earth, but I'm telling you what, when Jesus came, he said, peace on earth, goodwill towards man. Come on, joy to the world. It is Christmas. We have an answer for our peace, and his name is Jesus. Amen. Would you stand up on your feet? Come on, let's stand up on our feet and give our Lord, give the Prince of Peace, a mighty shout of praise, a hand clap. Come on, somebody ought to worship him this Christmas day. We ought to give him glory, honor and praise. He is God and there was none like you. And I thank you for the peace of God surpasses all understanding.